This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast. Episode 216, is it time for Dame Miller to leave Portland? We break down a few trade scenarios we think will work. Shape-shifting Zion. Is he fat? Is he skinny? We have no idea. Brandon Boston Jr. has a huge game for the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Indiana Pacers are about to blow it up. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 216, brought to you by basketballnews.com and our proud sponsor, Prize Picks. We have a fun piece of info for you guys. We wanted you guys to be the first to know that Drew and myself have both been called up to play for the Chicago Bulls because they have, they're down yet another player, Drew. They got five <laughs> players out. Due to health and safety protocols, they don't have enough players to play in the game. They called us up, Drew. What do you think about all this health and safety protocol going on right now? I'm excited, bro. I'm excited. Uh, You know, I think Chicago is going to welcome another Caruso lookalike and myself. Uh, I think we're roughly the same size. I'm I'm a little thicker around the middle than Caruso is, but uh, I'm a better three-point shooter, so I can bring something to the table for sure. I'm bringing the Zion lookalike, me. (laughs) That's me right now. The new Zion right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> speaking of Zion, speaking of Zion, really, I'm calling him shape, shape-shifting Zion because I don't know what to believe anymore. And I said on our page, like, um, I don't know if he's on the James Harden diet or it was just a really bad picture, but the picture that we posted two, two nights ago looked like Zion was absolutely enormous and not yeah. in a good way. He looked fat as hell. And yeah. then the following day, a picture is posted of him with some kids and he looks perfectly fine. I don't know what to believe. Like some some uh, uh, GM or something said he's he's above 330 right now. But then when I saw the picture of him the other day, he looked perfectly fine. I don't know who to believe, Drew. Yeah, it was actually a reporter for ESPN, Tim McMahon, on the Low Post with Zach Lowe podcast. Uh, he was the one that said he was 70 plus pounds above 260, which is so he didn't actually say he was 330 plus, but he said, I'll let you do the math. And uh, so, you know, if you do the math, that puts him at 330 pounds. And then that picture of him in that red velour jumpsuit was like, whoa. I mean, uh, you know, our 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 good friend <laughs> Baron Davis should look at Zion for for Black Santa this year. I got to say, because that was, you know, put a beard on him. And that's that's Black Santa Claus right there in a nutshell. But I don't it's hard to know, especially in today's day and age, when you see pictures like this, what has been doctored, mm-hmm. like what has been photoshopped. And what is real? Because, like, look, that picture, the one that you're talking about in the red suit, he he definitely looks – he looks like Tractor Trailer. He looks like he's the biggest guy in the whole gym, and uh, including the fan base. And 
then the other picture with the kids is like, well, was that picture from this year? Was that picture from yesterday? Or was that picture from, you know, two years ago when he was actually fit? I don't know. They said it was from that the person that took the picture sent it in and said, this is Zion. He, he showed up to the kids, whatever, whatever, boys and girls club. And this was taken today. Don't let the media fool you. Right. And maybe I'm the guy that got fooled, but I don't know, man. But then when Zach Lowe comes out and says, okay, maybe 230 pounds or 330 pounds, like, I just don't know what to believe either way. It's, I mean, he's looked heavy the whole season. Um, also the other guy that looks heavy is Luca and Luca's coming down with all these, you know, these nagging injuries. And I think it's because of his weight, you know, and like we're in year three with Luca, like, when are you going to figure out? I know he likes to play his way into shape, but like none of the greatest ever did that. You know, Michael, Shaquille, Kobe, Shaquille O'Neal is the only one that did. Easy. And, it, and it worked because it was he easier was, for him though. Yeah, I think of course, cause he was the biggest guy. You, you that was helpful for right. him. He's right. Not a guard. Right. Right. But that, you know what I'm saying? If you're trying to be like super elite, especially with that team that they have right now, and I know you want to talk about the Mavs, it might be a good segue. Um, but yeah, Luca just looks heavy. And, and when I say fat, it just looks basketball fat. You know, Luca still is Luca, but all these nagging injuries with the with the ankles and the feet could be due to like just being heavy and, yeah. you know, just got to stay ready. Like if you're going to be one of the elite players in the NBA, like the offseason, and he even admitted yeah. He said, you know, Olympics, and then I took time off, maybe a little bit too much time off, and then getting right back into the NBA season. But anyways, I think he'll learn that, you know, move, hopefully moving forward now. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think everyone that watches Luka Doncic, and he's still amazing. He's averaging 25, 8, and 8. Uh, but everyone that's watching him right now is just like, man, he's a little slow. He's a little sluggish. He's not moving nearly as quickly side to side. Uh, and when you're carrying weight and you're and you're also tiring as he did, and that's something that we have brought up on this podcast, even in the playoff series, especially against the Clippers uh, over the past two seasons, he gets tired and you can see it. And that's that's in the playoffs. Right. So that's when he's in shape. And so when he's not in shape, it's very aware. Like it's you, it's very easy to tell that he's not the same guy that he will be in March. Right. <laughs> By the time March rolls around, he'll be right where we expect him to be. And and the fact of the matter is he's still averaging those numbers that I just shouted out, which is some of the best stat lines in the NBA. But I think all of us would love for him to show up one year looking like Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? Right. Just once. And then, and then let's see what happens. But, and it is interesting to me that he was still able to put on the weight that he did because he had such a busy summer because he was playing in Tokyo. And then it was like, you know, as soon as the as the Olympics were over, it was like, okay, just carb loading. I mean, you're just eating pasta and French fries. Is that? I mean, what 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 are you eating or drinking? You know, he's, you know, who knows if he's a, a big party guy, but uh, maybe he's out, you know, in the clubs, hanging out in in Eastern Bloc, which I would imagine are probably some of the coolest clubs out there. Uh, oh, I mean, we do know he likes the hookah, the hookah luka, the hookah there it is. I mean, that's not great. You don't ever want any any athletes outside of maybe baseball players to be engaging in the tobacco substances. Uh, but anyway, I do think it is definitely something that maybe eventually he'll take seriously the same way that it took Joel Embiid a few years to like really go, okay, you know, maybe the cheeseburger before the game is not the best routine. And then in public also, too, like giving zero, zero fucks on the it. stretching table. Like, yo, where's that second quarter pounder? I, I'm a little peckish right now. Get the pregame meal going. That's not great. But we all know as soon as he does do that, right. And, and whether that's going to be, you know, 
from somebody within the organization going, Hey, let's fucking do this because you know, it's, it's time or whether it's himself acknowledging that he needs to switch it up. See, I don't think, I I think they walk on eggshells around Luca and Luca can do whatever the hell he wants. And I don't think they want to tell Luca to do anything. Cause I, I, I think it was on Simmons pod where he had uh, some dude on there who's used to work for the Mavs or whatnot. And he was talking like, yo, when, when, when after practice, when we got caters, like he would eat a lot and then he, like sweet tea by the gallon, dude. And you know, I love sweet tea. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm getting so fat, uh, <laughs> you know, and I eat really well. Maybe it's the sweet tea, you know, but yeah, it was like, Haralabob, the guy who formerly worked for the, for the Mavs. He was hired. That, that's who it was. Yeah. Haralabob. Yeah. He said he was making Arnold Palmer's and, that, <laughs> and that's, that's like sugar times a thousand. That's, that's not good. Right. And, and I just think like they don't want to piss off Luca at all, you know? Um, but I think Jason Kidd is actually, you know, as opposed to Carlisle, which it sounds like Luca was the reason that Carlisle left because he wasn't willing to be coached by Carlisle any longer. But it sounds like Jason Kidd, at least from what I'm hearing, is has been calling out not just Luca, but the entire Mavs team because they have been very up and down. And when they've won games, it's still been pretty ugly. Uh, but recently I've heard, his lack of defense has been something that Jason Kidd has, has gone out and said, like, this has to change. And then hopefully, you know, with, with the respect that Jason Kidd garnishes from his legacy and his career, maybe Luca will actually listen to that. But what I do know is that it seems like Luca's happier just from, just from a personality standpoint, happier that Carlisle's no longer in charge, even though it's not looking great right now for, for Dallas. Right now they're in the seven seed and they're 500 at 12 and 12. And they've lost, you know, three out of the last four games. Uh, granted, during that time, he missed some time from an ankle injury that happened against Denver. But yeah, dude, it, it just would be it would be so nice if he did get in shape. And I think the big thing that I didn't want to step on you on your toes here, but the biggest picture thing for me when I watched this Dallas Mavericks team, who I thought was going to be better, is that this to me looks like James Harden with the Rockets all these years. It's amazing. Like we, we try to compare and pigeonhole all these player comparisons to one another. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's like, you know, Larry Bird or mm-hmm. he's like, you know, LeBron James and, uh, you know, all these other things. I think his biggest comparison, the one that makes the most sense is James Harden, because there hasn't been a usage heavy guy that operates just like James Harden ever, except for Luka Doncic, who's doing it almost exactly the same, which is uh, just an interesting thing. And I think that's why for me, it's been difficult to watch the Mavericks. It was very difficult for me to watch those Houston Rockets games with James Harden just running the show, and it was boring, right? Dribble, dribble, dribble. I think a lot of that, unfortunately, for the Mavs is now in their system, in their organization. And that's what Luka's doing. Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a good point. And also, like, I, I do agree that Luka looks like he's having way more fun this year. And also, it looks like the relationship between him and Porzingis, who's having, like, a really good year, like we're seeing um, – just how good Porzingis is. Maybe it's for that trade value and whatnot, but just like Portland, Dallas is this team that they're as good as Luca is and Porzingis, they're not good enough. Like this isn't a championship team. They need more pieces, obviously, or they're going to be stuck here in, in the middle of the road. And that kind of want to transition going into Portland because we've played them a lot. I, I know you've played them a couple you meaning the Lakers and um, you know, Dame came out, or some information came out the other day that Dame was looking for a two-year, $107 million extension. And to me, it's just astronomical. I mean, I don't know if that's Dame 
forcing his hand being like, look, this is the extension I want. If I don't get it, trade me, but I don't want to go out and say, trade me. I'm just going to ask for some astronomical amount of money. And if, if I don't get it, you know, trade, but with that being said, and also Portland has been down. CJ just went down with a collapsed lung. Like, I don't know how you get that. Dame wasn't playing the other night. They're just another one of these teams. that's right here in the middle. And Stephen A had said the other day, like, look, it's time for Dame to move on. Like he's done everything he possibly can. I understand loyalty. I understand he loves that organization and franchise, but if the ultimate goal is to win a championship, he's got to try it somewhere else. Cause the, the clock is ticking too, man. You ain't getting any younger. And there was a really great trade uh, proposed last night, which I loved. And I posted it on our page, but it was Dame to Philly for Thibel, Maxi, and Toby. And I loved it for, for, for Portland, right? That's good amount of value. The money works, I think. But then Philly loses a lot of value. Thibel and Maxi, who they really like. And I, I think they would love to dump the Toby contract, but Toby's a very serviceable 20 point, you know, a night guy. What would you think about that? Well, the first thing for that trade is that assumes that Ben Simmons is going to be playing for the for the 76ers. And I would prefer to stay away from that option if I'm the Sixers. And I would prefer to get Ben Simmons if I'm the Blazers. Uh, I would switch the Thibault Simmons piece of that. And, and well, let, let's just, let's the just to- say. The Toby, the Toby Ben would work better financially. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. So I would switch the, the Tobias Harris and the Ben Simmons out of that. But then I would want to keep Thibault or I would want Na- Larry Nance in return to try and at least have somebody who can, who can be a, a defender uh, for the squad because you don't want to give up both Simmons and Thibault without receiving some sort of defense in return. Uh, but to me, I just, I mean, as much as Daryl Morey has said in the past that three stars is what he wants, he wants three stars. I still think that I, I mean, look, if you get Damian Lillard on the squad and you're expecting it to be Dame Embiid and Simmons, but Simmons still doesn't want to play. Like I just, to me, that just does that. It's not, it's not going to work in my opinion. I would let go of Simmons to get, to get Damian Lillard 100%. And I would let go of Simmons to get CJ McCollum right now. Like right now I would do it in a heartbeat straight up. Well, okay. Then how about this? This was something I was thinking about last night when I was talking to our boy Leon about it is the other pieces involved that came out this week was, was the Indiana Pacers. Right. And they said they're in a rebuilding phase. Uh, they, the miles Turner's on the block. Sabonis is on the block and, and uh, Karis Levert is on the block. Now Philly could still have that Simmons piece. Say, say the Dame, the Dame, Dame to Philly for the Thibel, uh, Maxi, and Toby, right? Then they still have the Simmons piece that they could send to Indiana for one of these guys. Sabonis would be awesome. I'd also, I know this is confusing, guys, so keep up with us. I would also love to see Sabonis in Portland where his pops played, where I think he would be highly, you know, I think people would love him up there, love the, and that's kind of what they need is a defender. Or And there's just another piece that you can do with Ben. Would you trade Ben for... Levert and Sabonis well that's the hardest part about wedging Indiana into the Philly aspect is because of Embiid right you you I Karis Levert sure let's Mm -hmm. sign him up Brogdon okay I would Mm -hmm. do that too but if you start talking Embiid Sabonis and Turner those three I mean it's the same it's the same same problem right like you bring Sabonis in to play with the Sixers then what is he going to back up Embiid like you're going to play those two guys together. Sabonis can't stretch the floor. Miles Turner is a better three-point shooter than Sabonis. Yes. Uh, so I think that's the that's the major issue with like the the 
the two separate trades involving those three teams. While it does work financially, I still think personnel wise that it doesn't fit. And I also think that like the number one thing here in this thing that might, you know, completely blow this up is how fucking good Maxi is. Mm -hmm. And and on the fact that he's on a rookie contract, dude, that kid is so good. And I don't think you would want to give him up. Um, especially for as much money as he's making right now, which is very little, you know, he's making rookie money right now. So I think the Levert piece makes some sense to me. And I agree. I think Simmons going to the Pacers or Simmons going to Portland also makes sense to me. I think both of those teams would welcome having Ben Simmons, but I just think that it's the, it's the Embiid part of it, which is really, you're trying to build around Embiid Mm -hmm. bringing in someone like Sabonis or Turner I just think it. Okay, then. Then let's reverse it. Then Dame to Indiana for those three: for Levert, for Turner, for Sabonis. That works for them too. I like. I I like it. It's all for me. It's value. I don't like the you know Dame for Ben Simmons straight up. I don't like that. I want pieces. If I need to have a team, right? I'm gonna need. I'm losing a guard. I need a guard. I think Sabonis is a is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA and undervalued. Um, and and I just think him being back in Portland rocking that Sabonis jersey since his pops played there, I think he would be great. And I think uh, Miles Turner said, I'm undervalued here. He said, I'm a glorified role player. And he's another guy who was kind of stagnant for a couple years and then figured it out, started doing yoga, started learning how to shoot the three-pointer. He, we know he can block shots. Like he, He's understanding that his role as a big man now is not just to block shots. The guy can score. And I think given that opportunity that he's been looking for extended minutes, you know, 28, 30 minutes a night, if he could get it, could bring a lot of value. And um, I think I think his trade value is big right now. So I think the thing for me is like when we're talking about the Portland situation, who also did fire their their GM, Neil O'Shea, formerly so, of the Los Angeles Clippers. Is that right? I didn't know that. Neil, yeah, Neil did our whole Lob City thing. He was a great GM oh. for us. Yeah, he was there for 10 years and apparently was uh, doing some conduct that was not necessarily what they wanted. A lot of that going around, Drew. A lot of that going around now. These conduct things. You got you to gotta, you gotta watch your P's and Q's, man, and, and a little bit more than that. Uh, but for me, when it comes to Portland, Dame continues to say that he doesn't want to get traded. So I honestly, if I'm the Portland Trailblazers organization, the owner, whoever's going to be the GM there, uh, first and foremost, they have to they have to hire somebody who's going to take that role before any of this happens. So that's number one. Number two, I'm keeping Dam- Damian Lillard. I'm, he says he wants to be loyal. I don't want to trade this man. You don't I think don't. he's just saying that with all the chatter that's going on? It's the right thing to say, Drew, right? I agree. I definitely mm-hmm. think it's possible that he's just saying it because he wants to be that guy. He wants mm-hmm. to be Mr. Loyalty, the guy. And he's, he's said that throughout his time there. But I'm going to make him... <laughs> Tell me he wants a trade. If he's not coming to us as the owners of the GMs and saying, I want a trade, then I'm keeping him and I'm letting CJ McCollum go. And I'm maybe I'm shopping Nurkic as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm shopping Covington, who's on an expiring. And maybe, you know, uh, they just signed Norman Powell. You can't trade him yet, but I think love on, Norman Powell. Love I think on Norman December 15th, everything opens up. That's the big date for everybody around these trades is that December 15th, then all of the new guys who were recently signed or extended become trade eligible. Uh, so I think the first thing for me is that I'm keeping Dame Lillard. The second thing is I'm diving deep into like, what can we get for CJ McCollum? Right. So if I'm going off the premise of keeping Dame, then I think Indiana really makes some sense here, but it really, it really depends on what, like what Carlisle and the Indiana Pacers think about CJ McCollum alongside Malcolm Brogdon. I think those two can work pretty well together because while Brogdon is a good offensive player, 
he's not amazing and he doesn't demand the ball all the, time, all the time. And I think CJ brings something to the table that they haven't had as far as a playmaking guard uh, who's who's an elevated version of what Brogdon brings. But uh, Brogdon is a much better defender. So I think I like the I like the fact that they could the two of them can exist on the floor together for Indiana, Brogdon and McCollum. And so what I did is I went to the trade machine. You know me. I love the trade machine. Let's hear what you got, bro. And, and I thought the Sabonis piece like you brought up was was so spot on because of the legacy of his dad and I agree I think one of Turner or Sabonis it's finally you know it's finally time right like let's let's let it go so this is what works Sabonis and TJ Warren for CJ McCollum straight up the money works money works TJ is going to be on an expiring the the again you know when it comes to this trade though I feel like it's kind of similar to the Embiid piece for Philly when it comes to Portland because they have uh, Nurkic, right? So potentially what this would do is if you bring in TJ Warren and you bring in Sabonis, you let go of McCollum, then you start shopping Nurkic and you go, okay, what can we get for Nurkic to fill some of the gaps that we just lost? Um, I do think there's a chance though, and something else that I tried, it also works for Miles Turner, that same exact trade, Miles Turner, TJ Warren for CJ McCollum straight up also works. I think Nurkic and Turner <laughs> could potentially play a little bit better together than Nurkic and Sabonis. But I do think, unfortunately for the Blazers, if they want to keep Dame, I think it's Nurkic and CJ that have to go. And then, and then we get weird with the Nurkic trades and who actually wants them, where can he fit? Charlotte has been brought up a lot. I think Chicago is a team that's been brought up a lot. And all of those are way too <laughs> in depth and then like way too down the road of what ifs for us to get into. But just from a, a building around Damian Lillard perspective, I agree. I think the Blazers and the Pacers should really try to work something out. The other one is something that I brought up on the last podcast uh, around Dragic and the Toronto Raptors. You can do Siakam and Goran Dragic for CJ and Robert Covington, straight up. You don't need anything else, the money works. So to me, if the Pacers don't view CJ McCollum as a game changer or somebody that they wanna let go Turner or Sabonis for, I think potentially Toronto could, because alongside Van Vliet, I think you could have a really nice backcourt with Van Vliet and McCollum. Yes, you're gonna struggle a bit on defense, but they're already struggling on defense and CJ is a scorer. I mean, I think for, especially in either one of these scenarios, he can actually stretch his legs a little bit on offense and really start to stretch those points per game up maybe more than he ever has in his career. And I, I think to me, I like the Toronto one maybe the most because then what, what the Toronto one does is it gives Larry Nance a bigger role. Uh, it gives Norman Powell a bigger role and it, it allows you to keep Nurkic and then it gets Siakam out of a shitty situation that he, he has, he's wanted to leave for the last you know year and a half. What do you think of that one? I, I I like it. I you know I got to see. I've I've liked Norman Powell. I have I liked him in in Toronto, and then getting to see him when Dame didn't play against the Clippers the other night. The the guy can ball, dude. He can put the ball in the bucket. He's he can be you know the second leading scorer on on a lot of people's teams. I do like that. I just think I just think if if you have an opportunity to get a DeMontis Sabonis on your team, that's what I would go for. I need an all-star for an all-star. Um, even the piece of TJ Warren that you were talking about, I think it'd be really nice. It'd be really nice if all three of those Indiana players could get in a package deal going to one team, but I don't see that happening. I think miles is going to be separate. 
Um, again, Karis Levert too. We're talking about two years ago in Brooklyn. Like this guy was was killing. He was part of that Dinwiddie, you know, that Dinwiddie thing where these guys were really, you know, playing. And we don't get to see a lot of players in in Indiana. We don't watch them enough. They're not good enough. You know, I was messing around with. You know, I, I don't want to get into the Clippers yet, but like Malcolm Brogdon, I would love to have as my guard on the Los Angeles Clippers. I think that's something that would be awesome if we could finagle that. But what do we have for trade bait? We're not giving away much right now at all. We, you know, is it going to be Ibaka and Bledsoe? Like Bledsoe's in the bench now. Bledsoe's coming off the bench and not getting the minutes anymore uh, because they're seeing the same thing that, that I've been saying and that we've been seeing is like, it's just, sometimes it's not working. I'm saying to myself a lot during the games when Bledsoe's in, like, what are we doing? Like, this is not working. And I want to be pro Bledsoe. I do, but it's just, it's not working. If there's an opportunity or a market to get a Karis Levert or a Malcolm Brogdon, I would love to entertain any and every you know, everything. Cause now we're seeing, can we just go, go into the Clippers or are we done with, are we done with the, the yeah, trade that's fine. I, I, I still think that the Pacers and the Blazers will make a move, whether it's for, you know, one player or two yeah, players or all, three. whether it's with each other or with other teams, I it's, it's good for both of them to, to do it. Whether, you know, Dame, CJ, whoever it is, let's make some moves. So yeah, we can, can we, move forward. Okay. But can we, can we both agree on the fact that I think it's time for the, Bla- the Blazers have to do something big if they want to be, you know, if we're going to Dame Lillard is a championship guy. Okay. He can lead you to a championship with the right surrounding players. Same thing goes for Dallas. Dallas needs to make some changes to build around. Like, look, if, if, if Porzingis and Luca start working, like that's going to be an issue for a lot of teams. It's the other pieces around them. Love Tim Hardaway jr. But it's getting those other guys, um, to win a chip, man, we're seeing with Phoenix and Golden State, like, yo, we need 10 players, dude. I need 10 players in the rotation that are going to either, A, give us defense or give me buckets. Well, that's the biggest problem with the Damian Lillard aspect of the trade. Because any team that goes for him that doesn't involve a third or a fourth team has to give up too much. Mm -hmm. So then he's going to a team that's depleted because it Mm -hmm. took that much to get him there, right? So that's, again, I just, I still think as much as, you know, it makes sense for them to blow it up. And he's the biggest, you know, asset that they have. Is he going to be excited to leave to go to a team that's going to be virtually the fucking Blazers when he gets there? Right. So like, I I totally agree with you. And like, let's think about it. If Dame goes to Philly, say that trade goes right. Dame goes to Philly for Thibel, Toby and Maxi. Then he's go. Then who do we got on this squad? It's Dame and Seth and and Joel and Drummond. So are they better? Shake. Yeah. Shake. That's cool. But again, are they better? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're better up top, right? You're right. better with the top two. <laughs> and we saw a Lakers team that only needed LeBron and Anthony Davis to win a championship. So then you could, there's, there's, there's definitely room there. And then of course, if that like opens the door to Ben Simmons being on the court, dude, honestly, Dame, Ben Simmons and beat is it, that's awesome together. And it doesn't really, you put cork. I forgot model. about Ben. I even forgot about Ben. But again, I think that that whole thing is just, it's, I don't think it's going to work there. I don't think Ben wants to put on a 76ers jersey. Um, I mean, unless he can get excited about this potential trade. But I, I, that, I think the biggest picture here for me is that as much as it makes sense for them to want to give, get as much as possible from Damian Lillard, I just don't know what situation can possibly work where he, outside of the Philly one that you just mentioned, uh, maybe, maybe the Knicks throw something out there. 
Um, but outside of maybe those two, I don't see where a team will have enough to like actually elevate themselves with Dane as opposed to maintaining where they are currently. I agree. And I also think that that front office, whatever it turns out to be, is going to do give them give Dame the, the Westbrook treatment and be like, look, where do you want to go? And, I, and if you give me three teams, you know, if it's the Knicks fucking Clippers and Toronto or whatever, we will try to make it work the best for us, you know, and I think they will give him that respect. They're not going to, you know, tap him on the shoulder at practice and be like, Hey, Dame Lillard, you're traded. They won't do that for him. Right. Um, and I think he's going to want to go to a situation where he has a shot to win the championship. But I think we're going to be, I think a lot of players are going to be moved and I'm me and let's talk about this. Like, do you think that the Lakers should be involved in some kind of trade? Do you think the Clippers should be involved in some kind of trade? I want to explore, right? I'm fine with the squad right now, but if, if there really are people that are looking, look, Isaiah Hartenstein is now the, our second, ba- our backup center. Okay. He's our backup center. Uh, Serge Ibaka, first time ever being a Clipper. I know he's only been a Clipper for a year and a half or whatever you want to call it. Uh, got his first DNP last night ever as a Clipper. So, you know, if, if there's a market for Ibaka and Bledsoe, we have to explore that if it's going to get us a better point guard. I do, as much as I like Eric Bledsoe, I'm just saying that that position is not looking great right now. Now we got to see our, and that's why we got point guards. This Preston kid, he hasn't played. He had his ACL injury. We saw last night with Brandon Boston Jr. I've been telling you guys about this kid. They've been extremely high about this kid, about how like just gifted and offensively gifted this guy is. He goes off for a career high 27 last night, locked up Jason Tatum. Uh, Tatum had six turnovers last night. This kid can do it from all over. And he's 20, literally just turned 20, dropped 46 they were calling him, the Celtics were calling him Mr. 46 last night because they knew he dropped 46 in the in the G League, you know, a week prior. So, <clears throat> and he started last night. And this is Bledsoe being lost on the bench because a lot of the stuff he does just isn't working for that second unit. So, you know, Marcus Morris is getting better. His legs are, his legs are under him. He's shooting the three ball really well. Luke Kennard, we, we, we're just seeing this guy turn into literally one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um do you think that the Clippers or Lakers should be exploring any kind of trade? Yeah, I think I think any GM that's worth their salt is constantly testing the market, getting temperatures from other teams, even in the time when, I mean, maybe even especially in a time when things are going very well. Uh, but obviously, when when things are you know not going so well, definitely you got to be out there, you know, at least calling people, right? What you know, how, what do you what do you think about Siakam? What do you think about McCollum? Like blah 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 whatever, whatever it is. Right. And so, yeah, of course, I always think that the Lakers and the Clippers, especially when they're not fully healthy and not fully in form uh, and clearly, you know, a few steps behind the top of the class when it comes to the Warriors and the Suns. Absolutely. Absolutely. There needs to be some exploration there. Now, the hard part for both of us, Clippers and Lakers, is that we don't have a lot of draft picks. We have almost none. You know, the PG thing pretty much wiped out your draft picks. We don't have AD. one until like 2054, bro. Yeah, and AD wiped us out. We don't have any any draft picks, and, and we don't fucking use them anyway. So, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's just one of those things where like, okay, you know, what does Bledsoe and what does Ibaka garnish? What does 
we're not trading Russell Westbrook at this point, but maybe before the trade deadline, something aligns and we get rid of him. I don't think that that's going to happen this no year for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, what does, <laughs> what does Rondo and Deandre Jordan garnish for us? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, Baysmore, what, what can we get for those guys? And it's like, who would want those guys anyway? Right. Um, and what are we getting in return? I think that's the hardest part here is like, should the, should the Clippers try and go get Cole Anthony? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. Why not? But what is what what can we offer them? I think that's the hardest part from from our two teams standpoint is like, what do we have to give in order to get something that is actually beneficial to us other than maybe snagging, you know, somebody from the Rockets like Eric Gordon, another former Clipper. Maybe you can make something happen for EG uh, and maybe that could pop. Maybe that could work. Um, I don't know. But it, it, there's these fringe players that you'd have to really look at in as far as a trade goes. And I don't see an option unless you wanted to go for like Kemba Walker, for instance, again, it's on the fringes. So yes, we should still be looking, but do we have enough to entice anybody? I don't think so. Yeah. I'm on, you know, I'm on all the, the Reddit boards and whatnot for the Clippers. And like, as soon as miles Turner came available or said that he was available, everybody's like, dude, let's trade Zub for miles. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I like miles Turner, but Zub has come so far and he's actually, he's playing very well for us. He's getting better all the time. Would Miles Turner make us better? I, I just don't know. And again, when you don't have Kawhi playing, uh, it, it, oh, there's a reason why we shot damn near 50% from three last year. because most of the shots we were taking are wide open because they're spending so much time defensively guarding PG and Kawhi. And now we're finding out like Luke has to really work for his threes now. And Bledsoe, it could open up Bledsoe's offensive game if he's in the game with with Kawhi. Who knows, you know? So we, we really can't tell. I'm fine, again, and I feel like, this being our fifth season, I say this every season. I'm fine with moving. I don't think like getting rid of three of our players, you know, halfway through the season for one player is going to make us, you know, 10 times better or not. I'd rather work with what we have. And, but if there is an opportunity to get a guy, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, and I keep saying his name because I just think he'd be great pro, uh, you know, low turnovers and whatnot, he would be perfect for us. I don't think getting rid of Zub right now is something that we should do. Um, yeah. And why would, why would Indiana want Zubak? You know what I'm saying? Like what, well, because he's 20, because he's 23 and you know, he's a, he's a good big man and you know, they're going to need a big man, right? If you're getting rid of Turner and Sabonis, you're going to need somebody. That's fair. That's fair. But like, again, like they're not going to let miles Turner go just for Zub, right? They would want like Reggie Jackson or they would want, you know, somebody kind of important, mm-hmm. you know, I just think that's the, that's the bottom line when it comes to any of these Laker Clipper trades that have been floated out there is, I just don't know who's going to be willing to be like, yeah, here, here you go. Here's, here's a good player and we'll take Zub and we'll take uh, Keon Johnson and Terrence Mann. Right. And, and you wouldn't want team man to leave anyway. Right. Nobody like, would, that wouldn't happen. He's off limits for sure. See, there you go. So uh-huh. like, I just, I just think it's too complicated and we just don't have enough assets mm-hmm. that we're willing to part with to make anything realistically happen unless, you know, that's why the buyout market is such a big thing for teams like the Clippers and Lakers and Nets and Miami and like all the team, the Milwaukee bucks, like the, the teams that can get better without having to give anything up. Mm -hmm. That's why the buyout market is so important in today's NBA. Yeah, I agree. And and if John wall came available on the, on the buyout market, then hell yes, I would, but we, we should make every, you know, take every opportunity to get a John wall. If the money works and the buyout works, you know, most, most teams are looking 
to, to get players to make their team better. We have a top five player just waiting to come back and play for us, you know? So, and if, and again, I've been adamant about this and I say this to every Clipper fan that we ever talk to because people ask me every single day, when's Kawhi coming back? When's Kawhi coming back? I've said, if we can stay in this five and six spot and, and hold ground until, you know, mid March, I think he comes back. I think he comes back and he's going to need to get 10 to 15 games under his belt before the playoffs. And then we are a whole different, we're a whole different team, but look, we haven't talked about it since last week. Uh, I think, I think the Lakers had their best game as the big three um, against Boston. I think, uh, you know, all three of, of, of your players looked AD LeBron Russell looked great. Russell's getting progressively better, right? Things are kind of turning the corner for him. I know there was a lot of Vogel talk last week and a lot, you know, Chuck went in on, on AD, you know, kind of the same shit that you and me had been saying about like, yo, act, act like you're a top five NBA player, right? Yeah. There's echoes out there, bro. It's weird. It's weird how that works, right? (laughs) We've been hearing that a lot lately, Drew. Um, But you know, we, we, the both LA teams had the the sweep of, of Beantown. There was no Jalen Brown against the Clippers, but, and, and to go back a couple days earlier, Drew, cause we haven't touched on this, but you know, I'm not, I wasn't calling it the battle for LA. I was calling it the battle for mediocrity Clippers Lakers the other night, but we, <laughs> we did pull out that dub on you, Drew. And I just wanted to make sure that, that I didn't forget. No, no, dude. Uh, you know, Morris banks in a three to, to he called the, it. He called it he, before it left his hand. That was one of the grossest game winners I've seen in a while. Uh, but it is what it is, man. That way. And I, here's the thing for that Laker Clipper game. That was a really fun game to watch. It, it was so intense. Uh, you know, I didn't expect the intensity to be there, you know, cause both teams are mediocre right now. Both teams are kind of struggling. I was like, all right, who's going to, who's going to actually care, right? Who's going to care about this game. And both teams came out and, and did, to the point where the defenses, both defenses were pretty impressive. And you just got to tip the cap to, to Ty Lue, dude. The way that he right. continues to tinker uh, with the lineups and then, and then just throwing random defense, zone defense as, at us is, I mean, every team that wants to beat the Lakers, you're, you're probably going to get a shot at it, by the way, because we're not that good. But every team that wants to beat the Lakers should watch that game and see what Ty Lue did to make it very difficult for us, even though we clawed back into that game and it was pretty close, you know, it coming down to the wire, uh, we can't shoot threes very well. And that's been something that has been discussed for the last, I don't know, seven years on this podcast. And we've only been doing it for five, but throwing a zone at us, I think was a very, very smart move. And then, and then obviously being able to transition out of that and go into man, I thought that was great. The Lakers tried the zone too, but you know, when it came down to it, Luke Kennard and the Clippers just hit big shots. Luke and was they, phenomenal. They phenomenal. hit really tough shots, to mm-hmm. be fair. Like, it wasn't like they were wide open. It, a lot of the times, Anthony Davis or whoever the rotation guy was, because the Clippers were moving the ball very well, was just a little bit late. But there was usually a hand up. And you guys were making shots. And I think, you know, that's an, that's an okay loss for the Lakers. And that's one of the few okay losses for this Lakers team this, this year that I think is, you know, it, it's fine. And when Luke goes off and Morris has a hell of a night from shooting, including that stupid banked in three at the end of the game. He was really upset about the bank. It's just, I, you know, I, I, the, th- the thing that rubs me the wrong way about the way that the Clippers won it is then, of course, there's a lot of shit talking like, oh, I, I saw I saw one of the homies reach. He said, tuck Drew in, you know, give him a kiss on the head or whatever. That was Ernie. That was. that was the homie Ernie, dude. I know. And I, you know, I respect Ernie. But for you to be talking all that shit after a lucky ass bank in three, 
I don't know hey, if bro, it works that well. I understand you got the chip. You have the chip, but I mean, twenty nine and sevens over the past decade of of playing the Clippers. Like we've been, we've we've been kicking ass in regular season. I get it. And you know what? The homie Glue came over to watch the game. Shout out to Glue. He listens to every one of our shows. Shout you out know, to he's Glue. Got, He's got two kids now, so he doesn't get out too much. Yeah, man. And so I said, bro, come come watch Clippers Lakers. You know, he's a Laker fan. Dude came over with a, a pitcher of margaritas and we watched the game. Nice. And it was just it was a it was a really fun game. And I, look, man, I know I didn't touch on it on the last pod. I brought it up to you in our in our pre-meeting before we did the show. Like there's I am the biggest LeBron. I love LeBron James. You know what I mean? I do. I've been very adamant about it. And I was mentioning to you that he's just been doing a few things lately that have really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Right. And even that, uh, the night that he did the Sam Cassell, you know, my nuts grabbing his nuts or whatnot. <laughs> Everyone forgot that that was Sam, by the way. It's Sam. They, this is what, I'm, thank people you. People forget, people forget that that was Sam Cassell. He started that whole shit. Well, it started from the movie major league and then, right. and then Sam took it to the next level. And now people have been doing it over and over and he never gets the props for it. It sounds like people that do my glitch shot and never give me fucking props. <laughs> and I'm, and I will go on every outlet and let you know that I am the one that did that. Give me my props anyways. But, but Kareem came out and said some, some pretty nasty things to LeBron. That's kind of how I was feeling drew. Now, I don't know if I'm turning into, um, you know, old man, get off my lawn guy. I don't know if I am, but even, even the Westbrook rock, the baby to sleep, doing it in the first quarter to people. Like, I don't like it. I don't like that's not LeBron James. It's very Russell Westbrook to do that. But the LeBron thing, uh, not so much. It kind of rubbed me the wrong. Do you think I'm getting old like this, Drew? Well, no, I just think you forgot about the NBA rule enforcement that every time you make a layup, you have to do flex your <laughs> arms. You have to put your arms up and flex. I didn't get the memo. Um, every time you hit a big shot, you have to do some celebration or it doesn't count. I don't know if you noticed that, but every time you hit a three, you have to do something. Luke Kennard's the only one that gets a pass. Luke Kennard's the only one in the league that doesn't have to do anything after a three for it to count. So I think you just forgot about the rule change. Okay, that's what it was. That's what it was. Uh, but I was happy Kareem came out and said something because that's kind of how I was feeling. And that's so not LeBron to do that, which is wild, right? Like that, if he'd been doing that for for many years, like it, it wouldn't shock me. It just really kind of shocked me. But um, so we we got that dub against the Lakers. See, that's the thing, though, the inconsistency, Drew. Like having this huge game against the Lakers and winning and then taking an L in Sacktown again, right? Again. Yeah. And we got our ass lit up in Sacramento. And it's like, this is not, this is not championship basketball, right? Memphis owns us. Sacramento owns us right now. So anyways, and I think you guys have been extremely inconsistent as well. Um, we, we had one run of seven games in a row, which is awesome. And I think, you know, going back to last season, Drew, um, I remember that there was a, a break in the road. It was against Atlanta and Luke had a huge game in Atlanta. And I think that was kind of the thing that, that I think we went on an eight game winning streak or whatever it was. I think, this game, this Boston game last night is going to be one of the, I thought the Lakers would have been the one, but then you take an L the next day, but this Boston game to me and seeing how good Brandon Boston jr. Played, I think his confidence is going to be, you know, out, you know, through the roof. And I think he's going to get more burn. I think he's going to take those Bledsoe minutes. Yeah, I think he deserves them. Um, you know, I think the kid, when you, when you're seeing a scoring outburst like that, you know, uh, 20 points in the G league, uh, you can throw that away. That that's not even news. Mac McClung is averaging 22 points in the G League right now, and the kid's a good player. I don't right. want to. I don't want to. You know, say that he's not doing well because he could be averaging 12 and then on his way to play in Serbia. But he's not. He's doing good. So it just to give you some perspective, when you drop 46 points in any game, 
G League, college, high school. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's big. That's big. And then for it to translate into an NBA game for the first time, really, like really catching fire for the kid, 27 points against Boston. That's very impressive. And you need to see more of him on the court because he is a dynamic scorer. He can score from, you know, I wouldn't say he's a three-level scorer yet. He's still a little shy going to the basket. He doesn't have the physicality. He's pretty thin. Uh, but he's certainly a two-level scorer. He can shoot threes, and he's he's pretty nice in the mid-range, a little floater stuff happening. Uh, but the fact that you guys beat Boston without Paul George playing a minute is is very impressive. Um, and especially with, you know, the way that Tatum is playing right now, who he's he's playing pretty good, honestly. Mm-hmm. And granted, Boston didn't have Jalen Brown for either the Lakers or the Clippers game. Uh, but having that happen for your team when your star, I mean, Kawhi is the number one, but your number two star, Paul George, not playing. That is huge. Um, and I, I agree. I think Brandon Boston is an exciting young player. Another one that you snagged in the draft that went unnoticed by a lot of 51st, players. 51st, teams. man. Yeah, exactly. Went unnoticed and, you know, Sierra Canyon kid. So, he, you know, I'm sure he's enjoying being playing at the crypto center, Staples Center place. Crypto.com um, arena, Drew. Yeah, sorry. I, I'm never going to get that right. Ever. But, yeah, dude, that was that was big for the squad and, and the continued um, – I think the continued trust in Luke Kennard is important and it'll, and it'll continue to matter for this team. Um, But look, man, I think the thing that you keep saying about Kawhi coming back, I think if you guys can stay, you know, close to 500 and I'm being real, like, you know, obviously you don't want to be under 500, but 500 or above, I think Kawhi should be definitely chomping at the bit to come back as early as possible. Because right now, dude, the, the NBA is all, it's all congested. Every team is within like four or five games of each other. I mean, unless you get to the very, very bottom and you have to exclude the Warriors and the Suns in that. But the Clippers right now, what are you guys in the five seed? Yeah, you're in the five seed Mm -hmm. and it's you're you're 14 and 12. So if you're in the five seed, I don't care what the record is. And it's probably going to be something like this where it's all jumbled up. But so when but by the end of the season, when it all comes down to it, if you're in the, you know, five, six, seven, eight seed, I, even even seven or eight seed, I think Kawhi should come back and he'll be so impactful. Uh, and I, I honestly think all the teams in the middle of both the East and the West are, are not no one. No one is clearly underperforming or clearly overperforming in that middle. I think it's a it's a wide open league right now outside of the top two in the West. Yeah, where's Denver at right now? Uh, Denver's in the eight seat at twelve and twelve. Right, and they're going to have a rough road ahead of them. And I, you know, Dallas doesn't scare me. The only teams that scare me are Phoenix, Golden State, and and the Lakers, right? And obviously the Sacramento Kings because we can't play them. <laughs> uh, it, it look, man, and so coming off, you know, a win against the Lakers and then a really good win against Boston. You know, we get our first two days off in a long time. We don't play till Saturday afternoon. 1230 but it's Orlando right and if we shit the bed against Orlando I'm it's we're going to be back to square one with me and uh, I just want to see a little more consistency I think you know after after seeing what Brandon did the other and he could shit the bed on 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 Saturday too but I think Ty is going to go with him and let him get some more minutes look man the guy is fearless as far as scoring goes there's there's times with Terrence Mann where he second guesses taking that three or very hesitant to take a certain shot this kid is trigger happy dude like ready to go trigger happy so I'm happy at 14 and 12 are you happy where you're at Drew (laughs) well uh 
happy? No, I would say, no, I'm not happy. Uh, am I, am I very sad? No, I'm also not very sad, right? I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm right where the Lakers are right now, 13 and 12. If I could have a numerical, <laughs> a numerical equivalent to how I'm feeling, it would be 13 and 12. Um, but there's positives. And for the first time this season, the Lakers did put it together against the Boston Celtics. And as bad as Anthony Davis was in that game, he was not great in that game. It was still the best game that all three of my guys have played together. And we came out with a win uh, and a relatively comfortable win, even though even though we're up by 20 and then Vogel takes out our starters and they go right back to a 10 point lead. But we still stretch it out. It was the first win that actually felt like we were going to win the game <laughs> in the fourth quarter this entire season. LeBron played amazing. I think Russ, Russ, as you mentioned, is continuing to get better. So I have taken an optimistic stance on this Lakers team the entire season. And I think something that was uh, shown on the screen for that Lakers game against Boston really kind of changed my thought process. And, I, and it's something I want to share because I think a lot of people are just down on this Lakers team who is sitting in the sixth seed right now. 13 and 12, but six seed is fine. Like, let's be, let's just give, let's just all have a deep breath here. This is, there's, they've played 25 games together. They're not supposed to go 25 and 0. Anyone who thought this Lakers team was going to be number one seed in the West with 25 games in is fucking delusional and clearly has never played a team sport because it takes time for pieces to set together. Preach. Uh, the stat is the Lakers have lost seven games where they have been up by 10 or more points this season, this season. Mm. So what does that mean? That means we've actually had a 10 or more point lead in seven games that we haven't won, which is good. You want to have a 10 or more point lead in a game. The bad part is we let that go because our defense is terrible at times. It's getting better. The defense is definitely getting better and our turnovers are going down. That's mostly due to Russell Westbrook kind of calming himself and having LeBron out there really running the show. But if you just take that into perspective and we win four or five of those games, let's just say four, our record is significantly better than it is right now. We're 17 and uh, we're 17 and eight. And we're sitting, a good record. That'd be a good record right behind Utah in the four seed. If mm -hmm. that happens, if we do what we normally would do in those scenarios, when you're up by 10 plus you fucking win the game, you try and win the goddamn game. We have struggled with that. But if we move forward, um, and we still build on what we have seen, even though, again, that Clippers loss was tough for us, but it was a good game from the Lakers. And then this Boston, this Boston game was really important for us because they whooped our ass in Boston earlier this year when uh, LeBron came back from his extended absence for the first game. So just again, just to put that in perspective, Utah is 17 and seven right now. We would be a half game back from them if we won four of those games that we have lost by uh, when we we're up by 10 plus points. So look. The other thing that really has bothered me is this, this just completely naive point the finger at Frank Vogel. Mm -hmm. And I'm very thankful for LeBron and Charles Barkley and, and other smart individuals who are saying, how can you possibly blame this man <laughs> when he has had a revolving door of players and nine of whom are new to this team this year I just don't understand how you could possibly say that he needs to be fired when we're sitting here. We have a winning record. As I mentioned before, the entire NBA is just up and down. Um, and perhaps something that we may have brushed off a few weeks ago when 
Trey Young said, it's the regular season, it's boring. Mm. I think that might actually be fucking happening right now. Not just to the Lakers, but to every team, Clippers included. It, it might be a little boring for these guys. And, and the reason I bring this up is because we're seeing teams, you know, Memphis goes on a five-game win streak, was, which was impressive. Houston right now is the leading team in the NBA for wins in a row. They had the longest win streak in the NBA with seven in a row. And no Jalen Green. Jalen Green is nowhere to be seen. Right. And so, you know, I do think perhaps because especially the truncated schedules that we've had, now this is, you know, season number three, we're back to normal. But they had two seasons really back-to-back, very fast, a lot of games being played in a short period of time. I do think potentially, not necessarily fatigue, but just like, all right, here we go again. Who are we playing tonight? Okay, it's it's Denver, and Denver's got Jokic, and everyone else is in a wheelchair or something. Like, I don't know. Right, that makes that makes sense with it being boring. I think that these teams are so good that I, I think being number one in your conference isn't that important you know the way you look at it like it's not that important it's good to be number one and number two but like I think what Trey's saying is like I'm fine with five and six you know what I mean like I I'm cool with that maybe I you know I think everybody plays to win though Drew so but again we're seeing that those two teams that we keep talking about Golden State and Phoenix they care and they are not bored with it you know and that's why they are the two best teams in the NBA but uh, I, I, I can see that. I guess everything gets boring in life when you do it all the time, right? And it's hard to get up like, oh, shit, we're in Sacramento tonight. You know, Clippers have 25 turnovers, you know, like shit. And then you come back and you're up for the Lakers because you want to beat the Lakers, right? I don't think you wake up like, yeah, man, fuck with Sean Holmes. We're going to kick his ass tonight, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And Alvin Gentry has been a coach for all 30 NBA teams. So they all kind of <laughs> like Gentry. So they're like, ah, well, you know. Well, maybe we'll give him a pass. I just think that there's something to that, at least for now. And look, every season, it's very easy to say, okay, this is a scheduled loss. You know, we're going into Minnesota or going into Oklahoma. You know, potentially we, you know, we're not like the Nets, for instance, is one of the teams that Houston just beat on their win streak Mm -hmm. and they didn't play Kevin Durant. So guess what the Nets did? They were like, ah, fuck this game. We're we're playing Houston. KD, take a night off. Yeah. They're going to give James Harden a tribute video. Why do we need, who, who gives a shit about this? Right. Um, so I, but, and that can happen in any season, but I do think maybe because of the fact that there was so many games played in, in really a two year span, maybe it's just another one of these things where these guys are in a little bit of a rut. We know as the, as the season goes on right around this time, right around the, the middle to end of December into that January period, it gets real kind of ugly in the NBA, typically year after year. And that all-star break, everyone's just gunning for that all-star break. Just give us that all-star break. We want those five days. Give me those five days. And tempers are definitely going to be flaring. This is usually when fights happen in the NBA is right around this time. So I do think potentially it's just it's just that period of time in the NBA where, you know, some teams are just not bringing it the way that they should every night. And then you hit that corner you hit that that all-star break corner and you go, okay, we're home stretch now. Now these games matter a little bit more. And, you know, to, to be fair, I think some of the players over the years have said we want a shorter season. Maybe this is their way of just saying, fuck, like, you know, we're making it a shorter season. You know what I'm saying? And they're not doing the, the they're not doing the, um, 
uh, load management. Mm-hmm. They're not doing the load management like they did in the past, even though Paul George sits out games from time to time. But nobody's saying that anymore. You know what I'm saying? When, when's the last time we heard that term? Well, it's, it's funny you bring up that because, you know, I deal with a lot of Clipper fans too. And Paul George took his first – he's only missed two games. Last night was one of them. And the other one was for rest against the Sac- – I think it was against Sacramento or Portland. I think it was the Sacramento game. Yep. And somebody was really – one of our one of our listeners was really upset. Like you got to have Mamba mentality. Fans come to watch you play, and you take the night off. And I'm like, look, dude. First of all, not everybody's Mamba. Stop comparing everybody to Kobe. <laughs> Kobe and Mike were cut from a totally different cloth. And if anybody deserves a night off, it's Paul George. The guy's been literally carrying our asses the whole. He's playing his ass off every night. So if he thinks he deserves a night off, then he should. And I'm sure Ty Lue was all for it. And I, I'll bet you it wasn't even Paul George that said it. It was probably like, yo. It was tied telling PG, hey, take tonight off, bro. You know, you deserve a day off just like I deserve a day off for rest and whatnot. I get it. So, you know, load man. Why don't they use that anymore, you think, Drew? I, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. It was hmm. it was like every week if a player missed a game, it was load management, load management. I don't know if that was something that the NBA released. Maybe it's only during when Kawhi's playing in the NBA <laughs> season is when they talk about load management. <laughs> Potentially. That could be it. That could definitely be it. I don't know, man. But um, anyway – to, to round off the, the tangent that I went on in discussing the Lakers, I'm seeing improvement. And if you are a Laker fan or a fan of basketball and you've happened to watch all 25 games, the Lakers, like I have, they're definitely a better team right now than they were last month. And I expect that to be the case next month. We're going to be better than we were this month. So I, I still like Frank Vogel a lot as a head coach. I hope he rides this fucking shit out. And I, you know what? I kind of predicted it. Um, if you remember right when the Russell Westbrook trade happened on this podcast, I said, this is what's going to happen. The Lakers are going to be about 500 for the beginning months of the season. And Vogel's going to get on the hot seat, but I hope calmer heads prevail, especially when it comes to the ownership and the front office for the Lakers, because you just, you, you, you literally just threw shit against the wall and said, Vogel, okay, make dinner out of that. <laughs> and, and you got to give them some time to cook. You know what I'm saying? I, I totally agree. And I said the same thing that I thought it was going to be very difficult for him to manage all the personalities and the amount of really good players that you have in there. I just also think everybody wants to point their finger at somebody when shit's not going right. Right. And it normally, nobody wants to point the finger at, at LeBron James and people want or to be Rob too, Palinka or Palinka. No, Palinka's name doesn't even get mentioned at all. Anymore. No one, no one's talking about Palinka. Right. Let go of players left and right. And, and some people will say that that was LeBron and not Palinka. But mm-hmm. anyway, continue. Your point well, is I'm about- just saying it's easy to point the finger at Russell Westbrook one week because he's having a really bad week and turning the ball over. And then once he starts playing well and then they lose a couple games, it's like, oh, well, it's Vogel's fault. No, it's not, man. You have three generational players on your team. Like they just have to figure it out. And I've always said, like you said it right. Like you can have all the best ingredients in the world to buy, to bake a pie. But if you don't cook the shit right, it's not going to taste good and it's not going to work. So you're right, Drew. Laker fans are just very particular and antsy, dude. We're spoiled. Lakers fans are spoiled. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And I'm, I'm, I'm a part of that, right? Like I'm, I'm upset that we're 13 and 12. I am. I'm upset, but I'm realistic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I mean, for, for the Laker fans that are just diehard and be like, oh, we have, what, 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 how is Frank Vogel fucking this up? We have these three guys. It's like, well, do you know basketball? Like, do you, can you see what's happening right now? Because Vogel is not out there missing threes. And it's not defense. him that's doing it. Yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not missing assignments on defense, right? right. Um, the last thing I'll say, Anthony Davis started at center against the Boston Celtics. I need more of that. We it's all need more time. of that. 
Uh, I think finally, you know, maybe it was Vogel and Palinka and maybe everybody, maybe everyone was just like, okay, let's, let's actually do this because we've been talking about it for three fucking years. Let's actually do it. Uh, it didn't work great in the first half. Goddamn Robert Williams was jumping time Lord, time Lord, bro. Just jumping, dunking on Anthony Davis, like seven times in the first half. But I, I think it worked. I mean, I, I, it, that's the recipe for us. It's, it's AD at center. Finally, let's, let's just keep plugging away at that. Anthony Davis at center. Let's get Braun Russell and then we'll figure it out. Malik Monk is looking good again. Right. Like, you know, I, I love to see him out there. Wayne Ellington is, is okay. Uh, but you know, it's, it's those three in those positions that give us the best uh, uh, formula to, to succeed. Uh, so that's how I'll say it. I'll, I'll finish with that. I'm, I'm again, optimistic about these Lakers. I don't think they're going to finish. I predicted in the beginning of the season, a number two seed, Probably not going to happen. That, <laughs> I can say it. It can point. happen, Drew. It could definitely happen. Well, if there's an injury to the, you know, somebody on the Warriors, I don't want to ever play that kind of card. Mm-hmm. But if there's an injury somewhere, then yeah, potentially it could. But I, I'm okay with saying that we might not make the the one or two seed. But I still think we have every chance in the world to be three, four, or five. Certainly four or five. I was going to ask you what your final thoughts were. But I think I should just go into the final thought because mine kind of piggybacks off what you just said. Go ahead. So I thought it was, I I watched, you know, I like to watch me some documentaries, bro. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just, I signed up for Paramount Plus. I wanted to try it out just because they had, uh, they had, I'm a big fan of Paranormal Activity. The final installment of Paranormal Activity uh, next to Ken was on Paramount Plus. It was scary. Dude, I love Paranormal. How many of these has there been? Seven. This one's like seven. Oh God. It's a, it's a, it's a one story though, Drew. It's one story told. Oh good. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, it scared the shit. I had I did the same thing that I did in the Blair Witch Project when I had to watch that in the movie theater by myself when I was pacing in the back. Um, I was just pacing my apartment watching it. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. They also had a four part documentary on the Dream Team, right? Oh, and we it was it's a do- and I've seen mostly every documentary there could be. I have um, Paramount Plus. I didn't know this. It's really good, and I now that you have it, I want you to watch it. It's very good, okay. but it also goes into something that we have been talking about a lot, just like how much of an asshole. Michael Jordan is right and this was done by Jack McCallan who actually wrote the there is a a book about the dream team he has all the interviews that have never been shown to public uh taped interviews with you know Malone and Robinson and Drexler and MJ like sat down with MJ Chucks on there a lot but it was just pretty awesome because Michael was so candid and they do they spend a lot of time talking about Isaiah not being on the team and you know, Michael, as much as he doesn't want to say it was him, it was Michael because Michael was definitely was, him. It was him. It, well, it was Michael. It was it was definitely Michael. And then Michael was actually not even was considering not playing in this. Right. And it had to do with the brand deal, too, with Reebok, like standing on the stage that he he brought the uh, the the American flag to drape over himself. So the Reebok isn't covered. Anyways, going back to what I was going to say, this generation, that generation of the 92 Dream Team. These guys didn't grow up playing AAU. They were not buddies, right? There was no, it was like looked down upon to be friends with your, with your uh, peers, peers, meaning the players on the other team. It is a brotherhood. Yeah. Your rivals, your rivals. Now, obviously like Patrick and Mike had been playing together since college and Mike makes sure to let Patrick know that he's kicked his ass every time (laughs) they've ever played. But the deciding factor for Michael was he's like, since I've never been around these guys, I want to go 
and I'm going to take notes so that I can destroy these guys moving forward. He had, yep. he had a book on Clyde Drexler. He had a book on magic. He had a book on Chuck on everybody else. And he was just, he, the whole reason for him going was to go and figure out these guys' tendencies and oh to, it's awesome. Right. And that's, that's the difference. It's such an MJ move. It's a, it's a Mamba. It's an MJ. And then that goes to Mamba mentality. That's just oh. so him to get the fucking competitive edge on these guys. And he broke down Clyde Drexler to a T dude, and then implemented it in the following 93 season. He, that he just destroys everybody, every single one of them. Clyde Drexler couldn't hold a, you know, and they asked Clyde, who's better, you or Mike? And Clyde's like, me, man. Like, duh, it's me. And Mike's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever, bro. <laughs> Anyways, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting because the, the interviews were so candid. If you uh, you can get Paramount Plus for free right now for a seven-day trial, you can try it out. Also, uh, they released today, HBO is doing, they dropped their Lakers trailer, Winning Time, okay? Did you watch the trailer, Drew? Uh, I watched, I think I watched some of it. I don't know if I watched all of it. Okay. First of all, our boy Dylan Fisher is in that movie. He plays yes, he some, is. he is in that movie. Shout out to Dylan. Um, but I saw the trailer today and it looks really cool, man. The dude that plays magic, uh, and Jerry, you know, the guy who plays Jerry bus. I forget. I can't say his name. right. John now, but... C. Riley. Yes. Awesome. Looks yep. great. You got to see the guy that plays Pat Riley. It's hilarious. But the dude that plays magic, it's his first time acting, I think, because they say introducing such and such uh, uh, looks great. And everything's in the 80s. It's got this huge 80s vibe. And you guys know I'm not a Laker fan, but I love that era of basketball. I'm looking forward to watching it. That's out on HBO Max right now. Oh, that's exciting. I didn't know it was out already. I'm I'm definitely going to. I think it's out. That's what that's what I'm getting from this. Oh yeah, I'm sure if it's not out, it'll be if it's not out now, it's gonna be out soon. They wouldn't mm-hmm. release the trailer if it's not out soon. But mm-hmm. that's that's definitely gonna be on the watch list for your boy. Uh I, you know, I was not born, I was born in the very end of the 80s. Mm-hmm. I had six months of the 80s under you my missed belt. a good time, Drew. You missed a really good time. I did, I did, didn't I? Uh, but I was able to relive it through uh the 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 ESPN classic days. You remember mm-hmm. that channel, ESPN Classic, and then now you get the uh the the NBA TV, they do some of the old school games and over hardwood the course classics. of my hardwood classics. That's mm-hmm. another one that they do. Uh, and over the course of my life, my dad made sure that I was watching some of these eighties battles with, you know, the Celtics, especially those, those Celtics games were uh, those series, those final series was pretty much what made or break made or broke my dad's year <laughs> as to whether or not the Lakers won uh, in the finals against them or not. You know, we also forget, like, even in that documentary, like, you forget when Larry retired at 35, dude. And most of, you know, 35 is when he retired. And it was because of playing with Michael. Like, he knew. He's like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Same way that I'm semi-retired from basketball. I'm not trying to chase these dudes around anymore. Like, all he wanted to do is drink beer and fish back in French Lick. So he's like, dude, Michael, go ahead. This is all you, bro. Go ahead and take that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, final thoughts for you. It, it, the Larry Bird thing, it's also it, it's it's easy to forget that he had to play four years in college. That's mm-hmm. how, that was what you did. You sure. came out when you were 23. Like, mm-hmm. that's just what it was. So 35 is, you know, <laughs> it's relative. You know, it's not like he started when he was 18. Um, OK, final thoughts for me. This is actually kind of funny because it, it goes back to the 80s era. Again, we don't share this with each other, but. You remember your boy Sharunas Marcelonis, right? I love Sharunas, Lithuanian. Yes, sir. I have a good story about him, too. Go ahead. I would love to hear your story after this. His son is currently playing for St. Mary's, which is the school my brother went to 
and in uh, up in Moraga, Northern California. And it, it's just, a, that's, it, that's it. It's not the end of my final thought, but that's it. What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> hey, Sharunas. Hey, bro, you talk to anybody, even our boy Leon, who played in the Olympics, Sharunas Marshallonis from Lithuania was a dog, and he got some burn in Golden State. His game really transitioned. He was a little undersized, tough as freaking nails, though. But in Lithuania, he is a god, right? Same way as Sabonis is. Like, they, they are gods. And I went to high school with a dude named Andreas Rogauskas, okay? Very Lithuanian awesome basketball player. He played overseas for a few years in Lithuania. Mom cooked the best Lithuanian dishes for lunch. It was awesome. But anyways, when Sharunas was playing, I think he was on Golden State and I was ball boy. I, I brought Andreas and his whole family to um, the game. And this is what's so different about like foreign players when they meet people from their country. I, you know, I had good, pa- I had passes for them to come back afterwards and they were just so happy to see Sharunas because, again, he's like a god. It's like going to Argentina and seeing Man- Manu. You know what I mean? And as soon like my boys wore like his Lithuanian jacket and whatnot. And as soon as Sharunas saw them, came over, greeted, they talked in Lithuanian for about 10 minutes, you know, just like normal people in the street. Totally. And, and, that, and that's what you see like uh, uh, when we got to see Jokic and and his brothers when they were playing the, the national anthem, just how amped they are about their freaking country. Right. Yeah. And I just thought it was a really, I'm glad you brought him up. Shrunas Marshallonis was a dog, dude. So his son is a point guard for St. Mary's and St. Mary's almost won the Maui invitational this year. They, they mm-hmm. lost in the final game, but that just watch, watch out for him. He's, he's, I think he's a little smaller than his dad, but he's, he's a hell of a point guard. You can mm-hmm. see it out there. He's got, he's got some nice uh, inherited traits from, from old pops there. But my final thought really, is that this past weekend, Gonzaga lost to Alabama in a very, very good game. Uh, but it's not the game that matters. They played in the brand new Seattle Climate Chain or uh, Climate Pledge Arena. Mm-hmm. Clips. Mm. Seattle has a new arena. Mm. It's time. It's time they fucking did it. The Keystone Key, whatever old school key arena mm-hmm. is done. They got the Climate Pledge Arena now, which I don't know. Maybe they're all using aluminum recyclable cups. Horrible name. Yeah, That's well, worse than Crypto.com. At least, at least they're pledging to something, and there's not a team there, so they can call it whatever the fuck they want right now. Uh, but it's time. They got a new arena. It's 18,000 seats. It was fucking packed for that college basketball game just because everyone, obviously Gonzaga's you know, on the other side of the state, but you know, so they, they had a big draw there. But for a Gonzaga, Alabama... Mm-hmm. Two teams that you wouldn't necessarily think draw that much crowd for it to be 18,000 packed to the rafters in Seattle was huge. It's time for a team to go to Seattle. Let's time. It's time to expand or it's time to move the Pelicans or somebody. Is David Griffin li- listening to us? <laughs> somebody. It's yeah, it's not Griff. It's not Griff's. Uh, it's not up to him, but you know, the owner definitely it's time. And that's my final thought is I, I would love to see Seattle have a team. We've brought it up multiple times, but now there's actually, infrastructure there uh let's let's make it happen you know what i mean like i don't even know like well let's how do we start a petition we got to start something i'm sure they've tried everything and first of all new orleans should go because you have the second coming of fat sean kemp in zion right now (laughs) just throw a jersey on him and you got the same freaking dude sean kemp (laughs) it's the it's perfect timing for this right now yeah they should just sign gary payton the second 
and Zion. And, and then when they move, they'll have Peyton and Kemp, Fat Kemp, and, and they'll be good to go. It's almost Cleveland Kemp. We almost need to call him Cleveland Kemp. No, it's like Orlando Kemp. It's Orlando <laughs> Kemp, bro. And then it, and then it went to freaking Portland Kemp, and that was just horrible. So, hey, oh, so who's shit. playing in that arena then, Drew? Who plays in it? It's, it, is a, it is an arena specifically waiting for a team. <laughs> There is not, I don't believe, I don't even think like, I don't think University of Washington uses it. I think maybe University of Seattle might use it right All now. All that tech money, they're just building arenas and nobody's in it, huh? I think they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like they're just setting the table up. It's just a matter of time that 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 fan base, Pacific Northwest, dude, they're just starved for basketball. They only got Portland and we know how struggling Portland has been for 21 years now. Or, uh, or Drew, it's time, like there's so many great athletes and basketball players in the world it's time for maybe one more team you know or two more teams Excuse it me. has to be two yeah um and i agree i think the expansion is real that should be something that's very real but the owners are greedy you know they're all greedy owners and they and mark cuban i believe it was last year uh was discussing what it would mean from an owner's perspective to expand you get an initial influx of cash whether it be a couple billion dollars or several billion dollars but what ends up happening is you end up splitting the tv revenues which is really the driving force of the nba again into fractions that are even further divided so right now mark cuban gets one thirtieth of all of the tv revenue money you add two more teams that goes to one thirty second, and he goes into perpetuity saying like, well, the 6 billion or 10 billion, whatever it would be for two teams initially, that's going to be made up and more uh, by this TV revenue money. So the owners really have to get behind mm. having two more teams happen because you can't just do one. It has to be two. Right. It would probably be Seattle and Vegas or Seattle and Vancouver or whatever. You know, we've, we've thrown out all the different possibilities. Um, but anyway, that was my final thought. I'm, I'm excited for the city of Seattle. I do think that this will lay the groundwork. Finally, they have something that they can go. Now we're ready. It's not just, oh, Seattle, just because it's Seattle. It's, they actually have the infrastructure. Let's get a team up there. Uh, and then to close it out, dude, when do you think Steph Curry is going to break this record? Do you think it's going to happen on Saturday? Steph plays against Seth Curry. Oh, in Philadelphia. Oh, he's 10 threes away. Do you think it happens then? Or do you think it happens after that? Unfortunately, I don't think it happens. Look, how perfect would that be for his career and his legacy to hit 10 threes and against his brother right in a game? I think it can happen if I'm Steph being like that. They have such a great record right now and whatnot. Jack 33s in this yeah. game, Jack 30 of them. Yep. Um, and try to get it all in one swoop. If you can hit 10 threes on your brother, are they at home or no? No, that's the problem. They're on a road trip right now. And either way, Drew, since he is the most loved athlete in the NBA, like he will get a standing O. And look, I, you know, this should have been my final thought, but look, the record he's about to break is something that A, that he, that he set out to do. Or when Reggie Miller interviewed him his rookie year, he said, man, I'm coming for your record and I want I want to get – Ray's, I don't even know if Ray had the record when he, he was didn't. A, when he was a rookie. Ray, Ray broke it while Steph was in the league. Right. So he's about to accomplish something that he set out to do, and it's a crazy record, and he's going to play for another three years at least, and that record is going to be so unattainable. I don't care if you're Trey Young or whoever else. Like It is going to be so difficult for you to for anybody to touch that record, you know? Yeah. So, so if it's not Philly, 10 threes is a lot. 11 was, is what he has to do to break it. Mm -hmm. uh, so 10 threes to tie. So probably mm -hmm. not going to happen in Philly. The next game is against Indiana, but they are on a road trip. 
And Reggie will probably be there. That would be cool. Dramatic purpose. I think think there's a really cool opportunity. He's got two Mm -hmm. to break it against his brother's team or to break it in in Reggie Miller's old house, um, which would be awesome. And then the third game, if he doesn't, for some reason, if he doesn't hit, you know, 11 by then, Madison Square Garden. Oh, come on. I mean, these are three prime, prime (laughs) times to do it, right? So I think I think he's going to probably break it in Indiana. That's mm-hmm. my guess because you know he five threes per game roughly. That's probably what he'll he'll end up doing. We know he can get crazy hot. We know that, and we also know that he wants to break Clay Thompson's record of fourteen threes in a game. Uh, so we'll see. But I agree with you. I think especially if the game uh, if he starts any of these games hot, right? If he goes immediately goes like three for three, mm-hmm. they're just yeah. going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's gonna take he's gonna take 25 threes. Yeah, fuck it and take the L too. Like it, it, let's make this as dramatic as possible, right? <laughs> let's do it against your brother. You shot 37 times, they were all threes. <laughs> like you remember the night Larry Bird said, you know what? I'm just gonna play left hand. Play with the left. Every, just yes, Steph. I'm so I'm so happy for him, man. He deserves it. What a what cool. a what a great achievement. What a great, what a great record to have. Yeah, he's he's gonna break it in like less than half of the games it took for Ray to do it, by it's the way. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Outrageous. Hey, hey, download prize picks. Check us out. Uh, you get, we match whatever you put in. It's fun. It's easy. Uh, I'm winning money. Drew's winning money. Uh, yep. yeah, that's what you promo, guys should do. Promo code news news. That's how you get the match. That's how you get the match. You put in 20, you'll get 20 back. It's very fun. Very easy screenshot. Let us know. Uh, we're going to be back soon. We'll be back next week. Uh, it's the follow through with clips and drew man. We're ghost. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the fall.